this morning. We're going to go into the, the Word of God today. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, we had an interesting Thanksgiving this, this last week. Our whole family found, our, thank you, Leo, found ourselves sick, and so we were at home alone, unfortunately. But my wife's amazing. She got up not feeling well, and she made a full meal, so we were able to still chow down and hang out. Um, we just weren't at Grandma and Grandpa's, so we had to do the dishes, and that was a bummer. So, but the food was excellent. So welcome to church today. My name is Nicholas Preston, one of the pastors here on staff. Really excited to share with you today. And so, um, and then we'll go back into just a song of worship to respond to the Lord and have some prayer afterwards. Um, but I'm excited to, to share today. So can we pray as we approach the Word of God and approach, approach the message here this morning? Father, I thank you, God. It is an honor every time to stand and proclaim your Word. Your Word is life. Your Word is truth. It is literally the Word of God. And we acknowledge that today. God, help us not get so comfortable and familiar with your word that we take it for granted or we treat it with contempt. So God, we honor your word today. We recognize it as authority today. We recognize it as truth today. And Holy Spirit, we honor and recognize and acknowledge you this morning and say, please illuminate, show us, reveal, open our eyes not just our physical, but the eyes of our understanding that we would see and understand the word of God. Make it clear to us today. Holy Spirit, I need you today. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So today I want to continue on this topic of conversation that Kevin started uh, last week on the significance of the Holy Spirit. We're calling it an essential relationship. So I want to continue with that, um, that as we acknowledge and pursue a relationship with this often forgotten third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't heard last week's message, I encourage you to do that. But uh, Kevin mentioned this phrase last week that we've kind of been saying kind of in, even in um, our, our roundtable, preaching roundtable, in regard to the purpose and intention of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. <clears throat> We've been saying this, that Christ would be displayed through us and that Christ would be formed in us. The purpose and intention of the Holy Spirit is for Christ to be displayed through us and also for Christ to be formed in us. Does that make sense? It's really breaking it down to the gifts of the Spirit that he gives to work through us and also the evidence of the, fruit of, the, of the fruit of the Spirit in us. And it maybe goes without saying this morning, but the reason this relationship is essential is because it is impossible, impossible for us to produce both the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Do we believe this? This is why this relationship is essential, because it is impossible for us on our own human strength to produce either. The work of God in our lives is an inside-out work. The best work humans can ever do is this outside-in type of transformation. But how can a heart be transformed? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So the work of God in our lives, it is an inside-out work. We could spend all day just talking about that. Inside-out work, that is different. That goes against so much of culture. It's usually slow. It's usually hidden. It's usually painful. But God desires to transform the heart, the desire of the heart, and not just our behaviors. God cares about what we how we are really doing on the inside. So this work of the Holy Spirit, it's heart transformation. Maybe you've heard this before, but not just behavior modification. I pray that this church is not just a church that is interested in just, let's just look better and kind of do better, okay? And everybody go have a good week. But we really spend time and focus and preach that this is transformation of the heart. And it looks different. It's an inside work. Has anyone ever seen this show? I've only seen a couple episodes, but uh, is it cake? Show of hands. Anybody know what I'm talking For real? No? Is it cake? Anybody seen some of these trailers? So these, these, these artists of food makers, I'm butchering all of that. I'm so sorry. I probably offended some people. They make cake, and they make it look like a shoe, literally. So if I had my two shoes on this podium, one shoe would be my actual shoe, and the other shoe would be actually cake. But from the outside, you couldn't tell the difference. But when they cut into it with a knife, one reveals is it's actually cake. It's fascinating. Check out the trailer. It's like, no way. It's what the, the objects that they make are just, it's stunning. It's amazing. But one reveals that truly on the inside is where the substance is, which is cake, right? True substance, life. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Especially with lots of frosting. <clears throat> and so from the outside, they, it looks identical. And, but when, it, when you cut it open, it exposes what's on the inside. And it's kind of this picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not to get so caught up in on what the outside looks like. But God really cares, like, what is there substance on the inside? So it's a work done on the inside. So then what supernaturally flows out of the life of the believer is the fruit of the Spirit. What supernaturally just flows out of us is the fruit of the Spirit. I believe this is one of the primary ways that we actually can avoid hypocrisy or try to uh, avoid hypocrisy in the church. It's not by like covering your tracks and really making sure your behavior is on point, but it's more about embracing this journey of really truly authentically asking God to transform you so that you are consistent in every space you find yourself in. This is how we avoid hypocrisy. A church doesn't just become like a show on Sunday mornings. That we would have the same evidence of the fruit of the Spirit active in our life on a Monday. Lord knows we need some extra Holy Spirit on Monday. That we would not bless God on a Sunday and curse men on a Monday. The show of Sunday, but what about Monday? And this, this church, this is what gets me really excited about the future of church. This is what gets me, like, stirred up with vision and, like, that's something I want to go after. That's something I want to give my life to. That's something I see as beautiful. 
that to me is the picture of health for the church in the future. And it is this, that we would be equally as desirous for the fruit of the Spirit in our life as we are for the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, that we would be equally desirous for the fruit of the Spirit as we are the gifts of the Spirit. That we would understand the desperate need for Christ to be formed in us. Who wants to be the first to say, I need Christ formed in me? There are days I look nothing like him. Quite the opposite, actually. Especially when you're sick. Oh. And children, and just, oh. I need to repent today from last week. Some of the things I said, it was not okay. And I'm not going to just excuse sickness. But anyways. They understand our desperate need for Christ to be formed in us. As we truly are for Christ to be displayed through us. That the same Spirit of God that graces us with his presence here on a public Sunday morning gathering would also season our private conversations. That there would be the marrying of the two in the body of Christ. Believers filled with the Holy Spirit who carry the power of God like Jesus did. And also exhibit the beautiful, beautiful fruit of the Spirit. What gets me excited about the future of the church is that we don't just measure the activity of the Holy Spirit in our body by the outward expressions, but also by the inward transformation. That we would all collectively value Christ being formed in us as much as we desire him working through us. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again in a little different ways, but my desire is that it would sink in. It would land today. That the evidence of a spirit-filled body of believers would be the fruit of the spirit along with the gifts of the spirit. Amen. Amen. And it's really this idea of spiritual formation spiritual formation where you and I each individually allow God to do a deep work in us, in me. Not pointing fingers like, wow, they need God to really work on them. The body of Christ begins to transform when each of us personally allows God, allows God allows God. It's a yielding. It's a surrender. It takes courage. It's kind of scary. And it certainly is painful. But his careful hands go to work in our life to form us into the image of Christ. To crucify the flesh. If each of us would look into the mirror of God's word and let the Holy Spirit form us, beautiful things begin to happen spiritual formation. The church would not hide behind the power of God on display publicly, but avoid the powerful transforming work of the Holy Spirit in the secret places of our hearts. The secret places of each one of our, you have secrets, I have secrets. It's real. We can't hide behind this mask of outward power without inward transformation. 
that our prayers for revival out here, God, send revival out here, Lord, beautiful prayers, but that there also are prayers with desperately, God, send revival in here. Yes. God, start a revival here. For if revival is going on out here, but not in here, don't leave me out, Lord. Do something in here that our hearts would not grow cold <clears throat> to the Lord. And can I be honest for a bit? This has really been a huge part of my journey as a Christ follower the last handful of years. Huge part. Huge part of my journey. I would say, honestly, I was so focused on doing something great, that God would do something great through me. Do something great. Use me, Lord. Do something great with my life. Use all my gifts, all my talents, God, for you, Lord. And that's, that's, that's great, and that's fine, and that's good. But I was distracted in avoiding God doing something great in me through the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit. You can kind of hold this weird tension of doing for God and, but, and kind of just neglecting. And I feel like God's just always inviting, like, ready now? Ready, ready for this now? Do you want to address this now? Not yet, Lord. Let me just keep looking good. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to work on that. I don't want to, nah, this ugliness, this flesh, this. The Lord is patiently waiting now, son, do you want to work on it now? Because I'm asking for your permission. And things changed in my life when I began to grow tired of the distance, the chasm between public ministry and anointing and performance and the reality of my heart and soul. You grow tired of it. You kind of feel like a fraud at times. <laughs> So tired knowing there maybe is lacking real substance behind this mask. So after a series of really life-changing events that really then began to only cause the chasm to grow even further, it began to get scary. And I was like, I can't keep going like this. This is not real. This lacks the fruit of the Spirit. This lacks substance. And now I'm kind of at a place, honestly, like, especially when it comes to, like, like ministry and church, I'm at a place where I'd rather it look way less pretty on the outside with a lot more substance on the inside. I'd you know, people can point, man, you messed up that, that, ah, uh, you know what, None, that doesn't really matter anyways. Oh, the lyrics got off a little bit, eh, it's okay. The band's not full this Sunday, that's fine. The presence of God's going to show up. He's here. We'll honor him and worship him. I was so caught up in all the details of it. It's got to look good for the Lord. For me, I don't know. It gets weird. Now it's like, I just would rather there be substance and look less pretty on the outside. <clears throat> this can be easily, easy, especially easy for pastors to get caught up in the trap of performing because you're, you're just in a public place a lot of the time. Because you got to get up in front of people you gotta, you got to do, i got to preach <laughs> kind of regardless. And you can begin to rely solely on the gift God has given you, but neglecting the fruit being produced in you. It's such a dangerous place to be. It's scary. And we see ministers fall consistently because I think they avoid this area of their life. One year at camp, uh, a handful of years ago, 
I preached the message. And it was, oh, it was so good. So great. <laughs> I'm just joking. But I was, well, I was getting lots of great applause and feedback. Somebody said, that's the top five messages I've ever heard in my life. You're like, really, bro? Like, how do you even remember five messages your whole life? You know, like, thanks. <clears throat> but got done preaching the message, and it just felt like, oh, God showed up. And moments later, moments later, I'm out in the grassy field area, and here with one of my kids, and he was having a moment, throwing a fit and being so incredibly difficult to love. And I just felt, it kind of struck me, and I felt prompted, like, what's more important? The message you just gave in front of 50 kids, and they all applauded you, or succeeding in this moment of being Jesus to your son right here where nobody's watching? What's ministry? Well, it's both. But that, I want, I'd rather have, I'd rather kind of bomb and not do quite as great with the, with the message. Do, do you know what I mean? But like this, the substance of relationship with my children and my wife to be the real thing. So my prayer now is a little bit different. I pray that this would be your prayer, that you would allow God to do a work in you so that whatever he does through you actually truly has substance. It has his character and it looks like him for real. You're not a fraudster walking around. It's like the real deal. You get what you get. And hopefully it's the real thing. So today I want to spend the rest of our time focusing, though, on one specific characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So one specific characteristic. There's lots of them. But I want to focus on one. Being produced in our lives individually, which then results collectively, and it's the fruit of love. The fruit of love. Buckle up. <laughs> this was rocking me this week. It is so challenging. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The first one is love. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Church, the Holy Spirit desires to form the Christ-like characteristic of love inside me, inside of you. Do you agree with that? And our main text we're going to look at today comes from 1 Corinthians, where Paul is talking. He founded this church in Corinth, and he, is now, he had left. He is now writing back to try to help restore the church because they got all wonky on some things, and they needed help. So they had questions. So he's writing a letter back, trying to restore this church that he had founded back to the foundation of Jesus Christ. One of the items that Paul addresses in chapter 12, one of the questions that came up is the Holy Spirit. What are the gifts, and what do they look like in operation in the church? So Paul addresses in chapters 12 and 14, what are the gifts, and this is how they should operate in the church. He answers the question. And it's really beautiful. But he says something super interesting at the end of chapter 12. He just gets done saying, here are the gifts. This is what it looks like. Gifts given to the body. All of us matter. Each one has a part to play. Nobody's better than the other. How can the hand say to the, who needs the foot? Like all of this good stuff. 
But then he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 31b, the very end, going into chapter 13, which we're all pretty familiar with, the love chapter, but he says this, but now, after all of that, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Okay, Paul, yeah, what about the gifts? What does it look like in the church? Okay, yep, let me explain it to you. Great, awesome, got that. Okay, there's clarity now. But now let me show you a way that is best of all. The NASB says this, and yet, after all of that, I'm going to show you a far better way. Or the ESV says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13. Ready? Let's try to read this with fresh eyes today. Holy Spirit, help us. The caption says, love is the greatest. If I could speak all the languages of the earth. Wow. How many languages are there? Anybody know? Google real quick. I, I didn't look it up. A lot. Okay. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Good goes. Hit those a little bit. Get real, real, real loud. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge... And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body to be burned, some translations say, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Does this seem a little dramatic to you? Anybody? <laughs> wow. Tell us what you really think, Paul. Like, this is really quite, this list, this is really impressive stuff, is it not? I mean, come on, giving your life up to be, to be burned? Giving everything you have, all of these things? Impressive. But Paul is literally saying that without love, it means Nothing. Hold on. If I speak all languages, that doesn't mean anything. Nope. Angels. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all of God's secret plans, that's impressive. But without love, that's nothing. Correct. If I had such faith that I could move mountains... Come on, surely you nothing. I give everything I have to the poor. Surely that would be, but without love, nothing. Paul's contrasting the importance and significance. He's trying to show us the absolute necessity of love, the far better way. So it begs the question, Paul, if love is so important, Paul, what is love? Paul would say, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you, now buckle up the second part of your seatbelt. 
This is the five-point harness at this point. Love is patient. All right, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. That might be hard enough. That's good. But it's not it. He goes on. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Wow. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Is this like the biggest definition of a single word you have ever heard in your life? Does it not encapsulate like everything? Love. So Paul, you're saying, if I could do all of these things, have the gift of prophecy, move mountains, but if I'm rude, then I am nothing? Wow. And if I had enough courage not to deny my Savior, but to be burned at the stake for his name, but I kept record of wrongs done to me, I would have gained nothing? Correct. Can I read it to you in the Amplified Version? Can we do one, can we do one more? <laughs> this is where the airbags come out. <laughs> His... This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is, what, this is what love is in the Amplified. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant or rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening that my friends, is love. The greatest of them all. The excellent way. So how important is love in the life of the believer? Well, according to Paul, everything. Am I, am I wrong with this? This is what I'm, Scripture is saying to us today. You have gained nothing if you do not have love. It is so important. Jesus would also communicate in the Gospel of John the significance Importance of love. Just before he was about to leave, he says this, John 13, 34 through 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love. What is love? We just read it multiple times. Love. Do that. Love each other. Just as I have loved you. Wow. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
can't we just have nice pictures and cool building and great music and that will prove something? No. Can we just have all of the gifts in operation like that will prove we're really following Jesus? No, they're not primarily. It's love. And what is love? It's patient and it's kind. It is not Wow. When I read this and let it really like marinate, like meditate on this, <laughs> it just hits me harder and harder. I need the Holy Spirit. An essential relationship. This fruit of just love is impossible to produce in my life. How does this just supernaturally flow out? When people cut into the proverbial, the cake, is it, what is it? It, it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit. Abiding, remaining connected to the vine. Closest intimacy with the Father. And he produces this in us. So I want to ask a question for you to think about today and wrestle with. As a charismatic church who believes the gifts are still for today and in operation, I want to ask this question, though. I propose to you this question. What metrics are we using to measure the activity of the Holy Spirit in our local body of believers? I think that's a, kind of, that's a challenging question. What are the metrics we're using to measure the activity of the Holy Spirit in this local body of believers? Is the metric worship that seems to go a little longer than planned? Or is it, is it prophecy, healing, words of knowledge, a certain emotion or feeling? And all of those are beautiful things, and we desire them, and we're going to get to that. We desire them. But I want to present this to you today, church, for consideration. From Scripture, what if the primary that Paul was alluding to, the more excellent way, what if the primary way we are to measure our yielding to the Holy Spirit is how well we love each other. The primary way. The primary way. Not like the only. There's other things. Yes, 100%. Does God move in? Heal? Yes, 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 yes. The primary metric. Because if we have all of that but not love, what have we gained? The fruit of the Spirit, love. What is love? Wow. And this gets me excited. Could you imagine a church with a fruit of the love? The fruit of the Spirit of love. Everywhere. Along with the gifts and the power of God in operation. Wow. Attracted people like they're disciples of Christ because they love they have for each other. It's amazing. It's it's otherworldly. It's supernatural. It's got to be fake. No, you cut into it and it's, there's actually really substance there. They're not just putting it on. That gets me excited. That really does. 
along with the gifts and operation. Yes. Then at the end, he wraps it up on 13, and he says this for chapter 14. And um, this is the first thing he says. And this is what I think is the metric, the highest metric, the primary metric. Paul says, let love be your highest goal. Let love, that is at the top, your highest goal, love. Then it's beautiful, but you should also desire, and I'm getting there, you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Yes, I have experienced prophetic ministry in my life. It has been a game changer. I was in Illinois a couple of years ago. We signed up for a prophetic room. We went in 20 minutes. I didn't know these people from anybody. They were so kind and sweet. It was just amazing. It was so just really effortless. It was God. This girl begins to just share things, and I'm like, just start bawling because it's like spot on, spot on, spot on. How did you know? That's not even on my Facebook account. You couldn't even like creep out and find this information out. This is like real stuff. God speak, God speaking to my heart prophetically. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But I just want to remind us, church, today, without love, we have gained nothing. Let love be your highest goal. Man. So I'm going to say it again just for the record. Hear me clear today. The gifts of the Spirit are evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in a body of believers. It really is. We should eagerly desire them. Paul says eagerly desire. Does that make sense? We want them. But the primary metric, I'm saying the primary metric we should be using is our love for each other. In his Apologeticus, Tertullian, when I was going through my study, I came across this. Tertullian, he was known as like the Latin, father of Latin theology back in AD 180, 180, so like a long, long time ago. He said this, or he reported this in his, um, one of his um, papers, that the pagan world admired the love that Christians had for one another. He wrote this down. See how they love one another. How they are ready even to die for one another. Am I ready to, to die for my be fellow believers? Like, I won't answer out loud. <laughs> Some maybe. I, <laughs> What kind of love is this? Church, can we collectively hunger and desire this kind of fruit in our lives, in our body? A love that the world would say, wow, would take notice of. <clears throat> and it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Worship team, you can come on up and get ready as we respond. After all of this today, after all of this today, growing up in primarily this local body, I see beautiful, beautiful displays of the love of God everywhere. I really do. I mean, you guys, like, we ask, we say, hey, we have some need. Some of the guys from Northside need some clothes. All right, boom, here's 50 million jackets. Like, whoa, it was overwhelming, the response. Thank you. Operation Christmas Child, 
Boom. Just like the needs, when they're presented, they're responded to. It's beautiful. It's like the generosity is amazing. There's beautiful love happening in this body. This isn't a condemning, like, pull it together. We suck. No, it's not, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as we collectively are seeking the Holy Spirit's activity in this body, let's have the right perspective, the right metrics in place scripturally of what we're looking for. What does this look like? And I'm here just to say that gifts matter and they're important to the body, but so does the fruit of the Spirit. We only talked about one today, love. Paul says it is the most excellent way. May that be our primary metric so then we can ask the hard questions. Does my life look like that? To fellow believers around me, not even believers, people around me. Am I filled with that kind of love? If not, then I welcome you in, Holy Spirit. Do the deep work in me. For if I can prophesy to you on this stage, but I cannot love my wife, cannot love my children, what have I gained? Nothing. I don't think I should be in ministry if that's the case. May we be concerned about the fruit of the Spirit being born evidence in our life. I don't think I can communicate it any other way, is that there's something that changes on the inside of you. This happens in the secret place. This isn't a public really thing. It's, it's time with you and the Lord. God, I'm, I'm irritable. Holy Spirit, come in and give me the patience that only you have. God, I want my own way right here. I can feel my flesh wanting to take control and to oh, help me just to yield and surrender right now, Holy Spirit. Produce your love in me, God. God, I'm selfish. I want what I want. Help me to be the man to lay down my life for my wife, my children, to prefer them, God. I would rather, I don't want people to like applaud, like, wow, you have such a gift to communicate. You have such a gift. Whatever the gifts are, people applaud them. I'd rather people take notice of like the character of God in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I see that. Thank you. May that be the affirmation of approval in our life, not just the gift, but the fruit of the Spirit of God in our life. Okay, I need to be done. Let's pray, and we're going to worship the Lord. And during this time, just, I don't know, let it sink in, let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And then we'll have time for prayer afterwards too. Maybe you just want to ask the Holy Spirit today to just begin to, to form you and um, heal you. And man, the Holy Spirit might be like, you know that wound, that childhood wound way back there? I want to talk about that. I want to bring my light to that place of darkness, that place of shame so you can find healing. Because this wound is causing, is, it's inhibiting the fruit of the spirit of, of peace and joy because it's, we got to go back and heal that. We begin to heal that. Now the fruit, it, it changes everything after that. But we got to go back to that. Like the Holy Spirit begins to do all these kinds of things in our life that are amazing. Amazing, amazing. Okay, let's stand. And if you're um, comfortable, willing, able, if you just want to like raise your hands or just a sign of like surrender, yielding, posture to the Holy Spirit this morning to receive. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in this way into my life. I give you the control and the freedom 
We want freedom to give you the, maybe we, oh, we restrict you privately. We want you free publicly, but not free privately. God, I want to give you free access privately to my heart, my life, the inner knowings. God, produce substance in this body. God, produce the love found in scripture in this body. God, that this is what we'd be known for. Literally, quite literally known for. Defined by love, God. Holy Spirit, please do it. Stir a hunger in us to look in the mirror of your word, to honor you, to yield to you, to surrender to you, Holy Spirit, to let you form us into the image of Christ. And Holy Spirit, we also are desirous of your gifts. We eagerly desire your gifts for humanity through us, God, the power of God. Just now surrender, yield to the Holy Spirit. You can tell him from your mouth. You can let the Holy Spirit know this morning. I give you access. I give you freedom. I give you permission. Produce Jesus in me by whatever means necessary. Hold. That's a scary prayer. By whatever means necessary. For it requires me to fall and be broken and do a God. It requires a season of sitting me down and do a God. If it requires somebody getting after my business, then do a God. If it requires humility and an to begin to apologize where there's humility so you can begin to soften my heart and work, then do it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, make this your prayer. Make this your prayer to God. Make this your prayer to the Holy Spirit. He hears you. He's here. I think he's asking today. Do you want this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit? 